Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. And I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Think of the children. It's a trick. Get an axe. Give me some sugar, baby. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? See this? This is my boot. <laughs> the 12-gauge double-barreled Remington. S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. Got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right, shop smart. Shop S-Mart. You got that? I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Groovy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises smack dab in the middle of the Evil Dead series with Army of Darkness. I think we are renaming this series Melissa versus the Army of Darkness. Um, our returning champ, Melissa, uh, you you chose this podcast out of uh, out of your your vast list of things that you haven't seen and. Wow, um, the most what a gift of any movie that could have possibly been. <laughs> Sandwich, okay, yeah. Uh, the the iron the uh, sarcastic what a gift. This is not. Yeah, sure. It's a, uh, it's only an hour and twenty minutes long. There right? you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I've got I, nothing to blame but myself. I chose this monstrosity, and we're only halfway through it for real. Well, yeah. they get better. Hey, I, no. I would I would like to counter really fast, Andy, before you defend the movie. That Melissa, you took the advice of a lot of different people saying mm-hmm. that this was a good movie, including us, and now we're all going, "Wow." No, I, I, I disagree with that. I was not going to defend the movie. In fact, at the end of Evil Dead 2, I specifically said, like, you're going to see some stuff. Um, so, like, I mean, I knew kind of what this was going in and the, like, reevaluation that this was going to have to go through. Uh, I, But, yeah, I, I mean... I I also have a hard time defending this, uh, except for some things that I will. But as an overall thing, it's like, wow, did not age well <laughs> in the uh, so, uh, which is kind of an understatement. Uh, but also, okay. I feel like I I also feel like thinking back on this though, like uh, some of the choices that they made here, like they. They knew at the time, like that was not that was not appropriate. It's in 1992. It's still not okay to have uh, 
you know, an all white cast, it's not okay to be misogynist and, and joke about it and play it for fun. Um, Yeah. And rapey. And it's, you know, it's something our friend Roy Fillmore said when he joined us for one of the early bond movies that like, you know, they knew at the time that this was, you know, winking at the audience saying like, Oh, he's such a cad, but it creates a, a permission structure uh, whereby it's like, this is our hero. We're supposed to allow this to happen. And that's not okay. So I, I feel like Ash joins uh, James Bond in that like level of questionable heroes. Uh, but, but here we are. Anyway. It's, it's the problem with nostalgia, right? Because it, it reflects the time you're in. And that's kind of how the early 90s were, right, in pop culture. I mean, you remember MTV videos were very objectifying, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was it's an unfortunate aspect of looking at things historically is it, it reflected the time that they were in. And we've talked a lot about that as we watch movies. The nostalgia is detrimental to, you know, you look back and you go, gosh, I watched this movie a lot. Um and there were always parts of the movie. I, I mean, Andy, I remember you and I talking about it like, oh, that's not how I would understand someone should be. But, you know, that's what you have in a lot of cases. Um, so, yeah, nostalgia. What's the line? Nostalgia breeds contempt in many ways. And I and I think this is one of those movies where you look back and you go, wow, that that really from from beginning to end how it's super problematic. Right. So, um, but I don't know if, if 15 year old me quite recognizes the nuances that I do now. Um, Right. I mean, I mean, I, I certainly knew it's like, Oh yeah. Ash is an idiot. And it's, I'm not supposed to say, give me some sugar baby or hail to the King or whatever. Like that's, that's stupid. That's wrong. Um, but this movie definitely like lampshades all of that. Right. And is like, oh, it's funny. It's like, yeah, but it's not. And I don't know, Melissa, I feel like there's so much more to delve into here about the. Um, Are you going to introduce everyone else and then I'll get right into it? <laughs> Hi, oh, I'm well, J- okay. Hi, I'm JB. I'm here for Melissa's take. <laughs> I, I'm J- I am, no, I'm not JB. I'm Kit. I'm also here for Melissa's take and I'm in the pit. Uh, yes. And, and Brooke is not here. We might get a Brooke take later through the power of editing, but I don't know. We'll see if that if that happens or not but we're gonna try that i i really want to know what she thought because um you know it's funny because like like half of us have seen these movies and then the other half hasn't so like it's it's fun to see you know the ones who are battling nostalgia versus those of us who are just seeing it for the first time in 2023 you know um so that's i hope i hope we get to hear her take no pressure, yeah. Brooke. Okay. Uh-huh. So first off, 
at the very beginning of the movie, you know, they give a little recap. Fine. Great. Okay. Which they should have done the first time or, or, the, or in the second movie. That way we didn't get fucking confused. Like we did that. He was Amen. just doing the same shit over and over again. But one of the, like, we're like a minute into the movie and I get pissed off right away because Ash says, as I'm paraphrasing a little bit, he says something along the lines of, um, that as best I can tell, I'm a, it's around 1300 AD. No, Ash, you're a fucking idiot. You did not figure out that it was 1300 AD on your own. There is no way they can possibly tell us that, that a man that stupid who can't remember a single word to avoid the army of the dead from rising figured out on his own that he got transported to the year 1300 AD. Like already this, I mean, I know this is a movie where you have to suspend disbelief. I get that, but some shit has to make sense and you can't pretend like your protagonist is smart when he's obviously stupid. And so already I was just like, God, you know what I mean? It, it, this movie really does love Ash Williams and I can't get on board with it. I tried. I really tried. I know he's the hero, but he's an idiot. And I, ugh, it, it just, um, yeah, you know how I feel about men who fail up, especially white men. And this is a white dude. He's like all jaw and no common sense. And I can't stand <laughs> it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, yeah. It just, uh, you know, um, Halfway through this movie, I was rooting for the army. I really wanted them to just take over. I, I didn't want, because I didn't like any of the characters who weren't the dead. Does that make sense? Like, I, you know, I, I don't like Ash anymore. I tried with him, but I just can't like him. Um, Even what's her face, his love interest. I mean, she's a perfect example of what I hate. And I mentioned this before, where the women just stand around paralyzed and screaming. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like yep. that thing came flying down and got her. Why? Because unlike everybody else around her who was running, she decided that there was like a barrel in the middle of the square. And she was just going to sit there and scream and watch as she got abducted. Like, Why? Why does this keep happening? I mean, do women get any kind of anything other than screaming? Do they get to do anything other than scream and swoon over Ash? They get to show their boobies. Yeah, there was boobies. I feel like she was standing in the middle of the square because she was willing to show her breasts. Oh, well, I mean, if you're going to do a favor for the flying monkey who came and abducted you, I guess it's okay. I think that might be a me too moment. Yeah. I think the only way to Melissa's point, he would have known it was 1300 is if he had landed and immediately gotten the plague. And then he probably would have been like, Hmm, 1300 is about when the plague happened. Right. So, which would have probably made this movie a lot better for Melissa. (laughs) If he had just been like, Oh, the plague, there he goes. (laughs) Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? Okay. So, Oftentimes, the book is better than the movies, right? Everybody always says that. And it's mostly true. But there's one glaring exception for me that I read personally, and that's Jaws, right? There's a novel by Peter Benchley 
that's fucking awful. And, and and the movie is way better. And it's not like I know people are like, oh, well, of course, it's better because, you know, that you can see the teeth and the blood and it's, you know, you can't see that in the book. But that's not it. It's because in the novel, like Chief Brody and his wife, Ellen, hate each other. Right. And she has an affair with the marine biologist, with um, the Richard. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. All right. An affair with him. And he ends up dying. I'm telling you guys this because you're not going to read this book. I'm spoiling the book because you are not going to read it. It is a terrible yeah, book. True. I, I vouch for this. Terrible book. Halfway through the book, I'm rooting for the shark. Just eat them all. These miserable, terrible people. That's what <laughs> happened during this movie. I'm like, okay, skeletons, just, just kill them all. That's I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm rooting for the skeletons because <laughs> they also fucking rule. Yeah, they're awesome to look at. Let me tell you, that was one of the redeeming factors of this movie. It, it, one of the only bright spots. That was so much fun to watch their movements and everything. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I, I'll oh. give it that. This is this is also one of those movies that uh, reminds us that skeletons are inherently musical. You just grab a skeleton and pick up a bone, and it's a flute. You you bang on their ribs, and it's a xylophone. You bang on their skulls, and they're drums. Uh, hey, you know. Well, I, I was love it. say the skeletons from Fantasia and that whole thing. That dancing skeletons from Fantasia, yeah. but yeah, no, totally. Really morbid. <laughs> Anyway. Skeletons rule. Sorry, the guy whose head whistled was the only thing I was going to add. It's like we forgot okay. one musical effect. Oh, okay. Sorry. The 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 whistling head. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Melissa, this is just this is a a tough movie, especially. I was told this is the best one of the series. This is and it best. is. It's mm-hmm. the most watchable, I think. Um, it term in terms of like the blockbuster. Kind, I mean, because the the viewership of Evil One, Evil Dead One and Two compared to this, I mean, Andy, you'll you'll tell it in the box office, but it's it's a huge discrepancy. Um, but I think the one thing, Melissa, to your point, I thought was really interesting in this movie, and I wish he had done something with it. Is there's really no difference between Ash and Evil Ash, right? I mean, you you almost look at it linearly, like. This is what e- Ash would become if unrestrained, right? Like evil, bad Ash is really just normal Ash. And it was kind of right. like you have that whole leeway, Melissa, to your point of, hey, this is what an unchecked misogynist jerk becomes, right? Yeah. Becomes this evil version of himself and we don't do anything with it. Right. Like this is to Melissa's point. This is what a failing up idiot who can't remember one word becomes. He becomes the king of evil. And you can hear that word twice, happens. by the way, twice. Yeah. And, and I think that's that would have been the part of this movie that I would have liked to have happened other than I mean, there, like you said, with tons of studio notes about him being less of a jerk. But if you're going to lean into it, lean into, hey, look, character, this is what happens when you keep doing this. And learn from it. And he never does. Right? Right. I mean, the the simple fact that at the very end, he's, you know, he's back in the S-Mart and he takes down that final dead eye and then, and then kisses his co-worker saying, hail to the king, baby. It's like that, 
he's he's not the good Ash. That's mm-hmm. the exact same sexual harassment, rapey thing that that evil Ash is doing, uh, and that he himself is doing earlier in the movie. It's like it's yeah, it's it's just terrible. It's it's interesting. I think they try to soften it in the TV show, mm-hmm. but he's. I mean, even then, he's still kind of, you know. I was so great and all this kind of stuff, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this, Melissa. I think, I think that this movie could have had some points of improvement for many of the characters and they just kind of, it's just kind of lazy how they just lean into all the tropes. Um, You know, I say that now in my forties, I'm like, ugh. (laughs) you know, at 15, you're like, Oh Yeah quips one-liners and shotguns that's what i'm here for right um and i think that's that's why this one's probably the more watchable is instead of being horror and those kinds of things it's your standard 90s blockbuster film right andy it's your um one-liners and comedic and kit to your point there's boobs I mean, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the the 90s tropes, right? This is the the demolition man of these movies. Hey, hey. hold on. That's what she said. Hold on, societal, cultural man. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but but you're right to the extent that there's, you know, uh, 90s R-rated action comedies are playing with all of these things a lot. I mean, uh, except demolition, man. There, there's a lot of it that's that's you know pretty repugnant. And this was NC-17 for a while, wasn't it? Was it really? Yeah, I think, I think they, they did got, an NC-17 cut, and there I'm like, was, yeah, but then they didn't change much to have to get it right. far. And I don't remember what it was. I thought it was something about how they killed the Deadite at the beginning. I think it was the the violence NC-17 or something. But was it the giant geyser of blood? I, it was something seriously like <laughs> some stupid reason like that. And you're going, really? That was what you were gonna NC seventeen this for? Oh yeah, it was it was the decapitation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Which I was like, didn't you see the first two movies? Like anyway. Yeah. And yet Star Wars can do one and it's still PG. Because there's no blood and the head doesn't talk after. That's what you think. <laughs> it looked like looked like Bobo was having a real conversation there at the end with his dead dad's helmet. Anyway, Stop sorry. Movie dead. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I do feel like I'm. I, I say this a lot, but you know, this was a lot of choices by men being in charge of this production based on that sort of like male centric uh, idea of what they thought this movie was. Sam Raimi wanted to make a weird three stooges movie. Um, You know, you've got Dino De Laurentiis in there with his fingers in this. Um, I think probably helping to, to pressure up the, uh, the misogyny and you know and that was to some extent what the fan base uh, I think was asking for um, 
based on the reaction to it and the fact that it did become the most popular one. And I don't, I don't know that I say that to defend it, but just as a statement of fact of like where, where we really were, um, as you know, as a society in the, in the nineties, um, there was still like the, this was wrong, but you know, we were, we were gonna, we were gonna, put it out there anyway and like teehee it's you know it's funny it's a joke and that's not okay so i'm just thinking about like the early 2000s and being like a quote-unquote rebel who now watched r-rated movies and therefore was like going through a bunch of them with with their you know roommates who were video people and then like going to comic-con and seeing stuff like this and heavy metal and oh the pirate movie and just like this the pirate just, movie the pirate movie where it's just like this binge of plotless boobies explosions and what is this pirate movie have you not seen the pirate movie what is the yeah no what is the, the that's a real thing yeah it's terrible it's like it's like this, but with pirates and singing and dancing. Well, that sounds like something I'm into. I mean, you a might pirate be. movie. I think okay. it's one of those things where it's like I think this movie was probably fueled by people taking a lot of cocaine, and I think that the pirate movie was similarly done, where it's like all like of a... our ideas are brilliant. Wasn't that like an Australian film in the eighties? Made in nineteen eighty two, an Australian musical romantic comedy. Yeah. Starring but, Christy McNichol. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, it? but it's it's seeing all of these things in my in like the early two thousands as like they were throwbacks, and so it's like because it's a throwback, I wasn't really cognizant that it was made in the late nineties. I'm just assuming all this crap is coming from the early eighties, and I'm just like, ugh, early eighties, you're so terrible. But it's okay to laugh because it was twenty years ago, and I'm like less comfortable at the idea where that I was just mindlessly consuming this crap that was made, you know, at different points in the culture, but it's still the same. It's interesting. If you look at the other films in 92, right? Yeah. You've got Sister Act. Mm-hmm. You've got League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. You've got Alien 3. You've got, well, Death Becomes Her. We'll forget that. Um, no, never. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, you've got Encino Man. Squeeze of the juice. And then, of course, the top two were Batman Returns and Lethal Weapon 3. Yeah. But, I'm, you know, I, I say the 90s had this kind of motif, but this was an interesting year because, I mean, you have some movies like Universal Soldier, but even that the the female character in that was still way more badass than this movie so yeah you know you have beauty and the beast that's still on the charts it's interesting though because those are not as problematic of films as this right i mean sister act league of their own alien three right you still have unlawful entry in far and away which take it or leave it right but yeah it's that kind of goes against my original thought of what was going on in 92 obviously mtv still problematic stuff like that but those are some much better movies nostalgically than this one what's the what's the major difference with 
with all of those, like female leads, yeah, some attempts at diversity. Uh, you know, um, I I think that you know this is a little microcosm of uh, you know when when you're just you know playing to this tiny crowd of like socially awkward idiots um who like this stuff then i think this is what you come up with don't make fun of the boobs i will fight you with my tauntaun and my laser sword yeah no it's it's kind of yeah i mean i so i think that is that's kind of what's going on here and um but even then you know uh you know, it's not like uh, the progress of, of Sister Act or A League of Their Own was at all permanent or anything. So Yeah, and even 93, like, I was wondering, okay, was there something next year? The next year is Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Dave. Um, Yay. And then there's your, in the line of fire, I mean. Yeah. She, She's great in that. Um, yeah. And then there's your cliffhanger, last action hero, firm. And right? and I I so think I think half. even even like last action hero, the last boy scout, everything kind of in that like Shane Black kind of winky action comedy sort of vein. It there's there's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of social regression, like baked into a lot of that. So, and, and I think that's just part of the formula at that point. I think it's the whole idea of the cult movie, and like that too. Where, where it's like this is—I can't remember who at Comic Con said like they were making a sequel, and they're like, you know what? This was a movie that was probably pat, you know, that was passed around people's dorms on VHS, and now we're making a sequel. And it's because of people who were really, really into it and shared it with their friends. And it's like, this is the sort of movie that gets passed around your dorms and everybody thinks it's funny because you're watching it at 2 a.m. and you're really tired and you're probably stoned or drunk. And you don't think about, like, that Ash is a freaking idiot or it's funny that Ash is a freaking idiot. But, like, you know, I, I don't know. I think it would take a very serious you know, kid at Comic-Con to be like, I'm uncomfortable with the social mores and what this movie is saying about society yeah. um, at one o'clock in the morning. But at the yeah. same time, they're going to leave Comic-Con and be like, that movie was the best. Cause exactly. I, I was that person. Um, exactly. Like those societal conversations weren't really, weren't happening as much at that point. So, yeah. but of, uh, but it's why this film, while it has a lot of like fun stuff in it, has, I think, aged more poorly than um, than Evil Dead Two, um, because it does seem more um, more misogynistic, and I don't know. I think it's probably the better movie of the two, but it's like, yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yeah, it goes back to the, it's better made, but, I mean, are any of these movies any good? 
contextually, maybe not. I, there's something to them. What I, I think does work here, I think the effects, like, I mean, I talked about the skeleton army, uh, like, that's great. But overall, just the, the use of practical effects in all of this from, like, the the tiny ashes in the mirror, the um, the the two ashes in one body, uh, all of all of that work, the um, the skeletons, the when when he gets sucked into the portal and his face is all rubbery, the many many oh, yeah. like rubbery faces and him trying to like put it back together. It's crazy. All of that stuff holds up and it looks this movie's effects from 1992 look better than a lot of stuff that came out a decade later where all of this would have done, been done with CGI and that CGI looks horrible now. These effects look pretty good cuz they I don't know, they were they're like, "Well, let's just do what Harryhausen did." and you know, have some fun with it. I mean, to your point, that is the best part of the movie is that middle content. Well, I mean, and I even get a kick out of how he films the book, right? The book is fun. Flying yeah. around, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would probably say the non-real characters in this movie, to Melissa's point, are better than the actual ones. Absolutely. Like the, the army, the, the extra ashes, the book far more watchable than the actual characters. Yeah. Yeah. Except Henry the Red. Henry the Red was cool. Yeah, I like uh, Henry the Red. Um, He's the only live one I like. Um, the the guy who was Elaine's boss on Seinfeld, uh, who was the mysterious old man, um, Ian Abercrombie. And oh, his, yeah. His okay. name is just wise man the only wisdom would have been to run away from this movie strange one this movie makes a lot of really weird logic leaps uh pretending like we just have to be like melissa said we have to assume that ash is actually really intelligent when he is not like he has a textbook in his in his car for college chemistry and like how to run a, a steam engine or whatever just like the, i'm just going to so, put out that chemistry 101 is not where you learn how to blow crap up that's like two or three years later yes i agree and you you usually have to learn not to blow crap up before they will teach you to blow crap up and so Although, I got to the I got to the organic chemistry set of don't blow this crap up, and the year after that I think is analytical chemistry. So it's like he's got like another four years, and he thinks he's all that. I'm so smart. You guys don't understand technology and alloys and molecules and shit. It's like, dude, you work at S Smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I get that that's supposed to be part of the joke, but it's also just like this weird logic leap that. We're just like, wait, what? Like, okay, he's stupid, but he's smart. Like, he's smart enough to be able to trick out his car to turn it into a tank. Okay. Uh, but he's so dumb, he can't remember Klaatu Barada Nikto. 
which obvious obviously Ash never saw the day the Earth stood still. But you know, whatever. That's a to that's be fair, it, it it didn't come out until six hundred and thirty years after. <laughs> so <laughs> there, I I guess that is true. And now through the magic of editing via time travel, it's Brookheim. Hi, Brooke. Hi. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> Tell us what you thought about Army of Darkness. Oh, wait, first, had you seen this before? Did you watch this in high school? No. In college? In nope, any never. School? Nothing. You'd never seen this before. so this All of these movie. movies are brand new to me. Oh, okay. Well, fun. Well, maybe so, fun isn't the right word. Then. I missed the recording the week before on number two. Right. And I missed the recording on this one. And here's what I have to say. They fucked it all up. <laughs> Proceed. Okay, so the first one, right? The first one, it was, it was good. There was some shit in it that should have changed for the era that it was written in. The misogyny, the beat, the hitting women and things like it felt very James Bondy, right? Uh-huh. I can separate that out. It was still a scary movie. It got me with the jump scares. It had that campfire story thing to it that I really, really liked. And it's like, God, if they had just redone this without the misogyny shit, that would have been a really good movie. So you can watch the first one and be like, yeah, it's kind of funny and it's kind of new and it's kind of good. And it has that scary stories to tell in the dark thing. I could get into this. These last ones, it was like combining the worst parts of every horrible mid-90s to early 2000s Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, and fucking Will Ferrell movie and putting them into one, but only (laughs) with like claymation and fucking trying to be scary but just obnoxious they were they they were so horribly obnoxious and overdone and too extreme and i watched it and i was like oh my god it's like they took a couple of frat boys and decided to let them make some movies and try to call them scary only it was just (laughs) fucking horrible Fucking horrible. I mean, you're not wrong. That's how I felt about them. Uh, yeah. That's, um, that is, that is quite a take. And Let's get a bunch of drunk frat boys and ask them to write the plot of a movie. Well, that's certainly what it, and uh, in retrospect, it really feels like that was the intended audience, wasn't it? Yeah. It's just like, oh, let's like get a bunch of yeah. Uh. But but instead of mocking them, 
it's like they indulged them and told right. them that they were right. Instead of it being a, a farce, instead of it being this like this overblown, like let's call attention to the problem. It's like what would have happened to America had Trump not been indicted. Like giving them permission to storm the Capitol without any sort of like comeuppance afterwards. It's like we're going to tell you that because you're a frat boy in college, you're right. And this is the brotherhood you get to make and then go make this movie and be as stupid and extreme and fucking vulgar and annoying. And I hated them. That's what I, that's, that's how I feel about it. Everything that was clever and everything that made it good in the first one was taken out and everything that was bad about it was like indulged. And that's, that's how I felt. Yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, okay. So then say you are executive producer of army of darkness, not Dino De Laurentiis. And you're like, okay, we're going to fix this. What are your studio notes on how you, on, on what you would try to do here? I don't even know. Anything? Is it, is it just irredeemable in your eyes? Um, yes. That's <laughs> uh, that's an okay answer. That's totally fine. So you scrap it and you make a different movie. Yeah. What What's the movie that you make? Do you make Do you make a real horror movie? Another like slasher, evil cabin in the woods. I think you keep possession the cabin, and you move forward with new characters. Yeah. New. I'm story like 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 you keep the same terror underneath right and you do it in a new way with new things and you can have elements coming back that like bring the scary back out of it but you move forward into the next gen i'm really really interested in how you'll react to the next movies then as we do Tucker and Dale versus evil, maybe cabin in the woods. We'll see if we can do cabin in the woods and the, the Fede Alvarez evil dead remake. Cause I think that's maybe more along the lines of what you're thinking. And I wonder if, I wonder if those will work for you. I'm just excited for that. I want them to actually be scary. Like it's like, I'm so like, I'm so mad at these movies. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the Fede Alvarez Evil Dead is scary. That is a scary... Well, I don't know. Maybe not scary. Gross. Definitely gross. I think scary. Um, I hope scary. I don't think gross necessarily always translates into scary. Yeah. But sometimes it can. Sometimes it can. Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? The Joss Whedon movie? Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. That was interesting. Yeah. Interesting if if you have. No. Not necessary, obviously. Do you have any uh, any favorites of anything you wanted to shout out here? A favorite line or, um, you know. The first one. The very first line? 
No, the very first movie I shot that oh, one. Oh, just the very first movie? That's it. <laughs> That's the only stuff that you... <laughs> Nothing else is, is of note here. Now, mind you, I wasn't super happy with the first one, but it was clever. And it was mm-hmm. scary. And it was funny in the right ways. The wrong things I didn't think were funny, but the other things were kind of funny. So, yeah, no, I don't have any favorites of anything for this. So then I think I will know the answer then to our final questions then. Do you think that the main character, Ash Williams, is a good person? No. Or not? No. And do you think these are good movies, Evil no. Dead 2 and Army of Darkness? No. Okay. No. No. And would you show this to children? Fuck no. <laughs> okay. Just Unless, checking. of course, I wanted that child to die. Oh and God. they were already like in some sort of state where they had like terminal cancer. And I was like, this will help them die sooner. So I'm going to fucking show them this pile of garbage. I forgot. We're not recording for the Patreon. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. (laughs) You can, you think that there are boundaries on the regular feed too? No, no. I don't. You're fine. You're fine. All right. Um, uh, it's just, it's just. Let's keep the keep the ultra spicy stuff for the Patreon. Yeah, if you guys want a little taste of what the Patreon's like, it's how it starts, but a little bit. It gets um, much better. I, I will just say, I will not embarrass myself on the main feed, but I will if you pay me a dollar. So, <laughs> so go ahead and go on the Patreon, and I will tell all sorts of embarrassing stories about myself, um, like eating a foot long. Uh, as I said on the eat Patreon, a sandwich, just so you I, guys know, there's a story on the Patreon. Yeah, and I pled the fifth about eating a foot long, so <laughs> I'm I will neither confirm nor deny <laughs> eating a foot long. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, more of that content on the Patreon exclusively. Uh, okay, well, Brooke, this has been wonderful. Uh, through the magic of time travel, we'll join the rest of the podcast now in progress. This, this is the one where he had to go get an extra three million, right? Um, Didn't that he, sounds they, right. Where they were too low on the budget and they had to go get more money. I can't remember if they went and got it from Dino, but probably that always surprised me. Like, how much money did you actually need for this film? Yeah, eight, and then, eight million, eight million initial, twelve million final production half, and then Campbell, Ramey, and the producer put up another million of their salaries. Correct. That's what it. Yeah. Would that you have liked this movie more if it had the original ending? Uh, where he just wakes up in the future and he, the dead are everywhere. He well, he where he once again screws up to Melissa's <laughs> point, and he takes too many drops of the original and then he wakes up he sleeps too long and he wakes up in post-apocalyptic england and he's the only living human see i think that ending's better because to melissa's point he doesn't win right he gets what is coming to him he ends up in post-apocalyptic nowhere hopefully to be eaten but which which then would have necessitated another I am Legend, Evil Dead, Evil Dead like, 4, yeah. Yeah, in like 
1998 or something. But nevertheless, I think that's a better ending because it goes back to what continues to plague him, which is his stupidity. Yeah. Instead, he goes back to Kmart, Smart, and he ends up a hero again. So, yeah. anyway. So, I like the original wait, ending more. In the orig- so, wait. The original ending, he takes too much of the potion. So now, not only can he not remember a single word. He can't but- count. He can't count. <laughs> Correct. He takes. He forgets how many drops he's taken because something goes on in the background, and he takes seven drops instead of six, I think. And he goes like three hundred years too far into the future. So yes, I think that. See, I think that's the ending that should have happened because one, he deserves it, and two, it's his character. Yeah, but then everybody else gets what's coming to him, too, not just him, because everybody's dead, right? Well, I mean, this is supposedly like 300 years in the future from present day, which Mm. would have been supposedly a post-apocalyptic hellscape anyway, right? Yeah. So I don't know that he necessarily causes the post-apocalyptica. It's just 300 years past where he should have ended up. So they don't really make that part clear, but that's a good point, Melissa. I don't know if him messing up the drops makes it also ruins the future or just ruins his future. I had it as ruining his future, which I think is the good ending, right? Mm. Yeah, but it's it is. I I feel like it is sort of more on brand with like where Raimi was trying to take the franchise. Um I get why the studio's like, yeah, can we just like have a happy ending, please? Um, and I think they, that is ultimately, you know, more marketable uh, for their part. So I don't know. I, I think it's kind of interesting. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the ending isn't really the like, the major problem that I have with this movie, other than the fact that he's obviously still learned nothing and he's still pretty misogynistic. Um, but yeah. 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 In, in the original ending, I just looked it up. It's just that civilization is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, I think is the, the Charlton Heston ending is the good ending, right? Yeah. This was our planet, except for those falling rocks. That screwed up six versus seven. <laughs> so yeah, this movie uh, made a decent oh, amount of money. Yeah, um, I re- I remember a lot of people watched it that year. Uh, it made eleven eleven and a half million in its uh, box office uh, run, uh, which adjusted for inflation is twenty five point four. Um, so not a lot but did a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of business on uh, VHS and then later on DVD, uh, like Kid said. Um, as, a, as a cult movie, this was one that was sort of passed around and, uh, and folks watched all the time. And I feel like I knew a lot of people who, uh, who owned Army of Darkness in, in various forms. It also ended up on TV quite a bit because um, for for a movie that was at one time NC-17, 
you don't actually have to make that many cuts to like make a TV version of this that can go on like TNT or Comedy Central on a Saturday afternoon. So uh, there we go. Studio notes. How do you try to fix this? Have him land and the car lands on him at the very beginning. Then the movie's over. Oh, that's that's mean. So there that's is no mean. movie. <laughs> I I I think in hindsight with I'm with Melissa, I think you have the evil army win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just go full like scorched earth, you know? Just total fatalism. Yeah. That's the only antidote to this movie. I think the other, um, like, I think there's another antidote, and that would involve actually writing something as opposed to just, like, throwing a bunch of crap together that would be fun to watch. Um, yeah. A bunch and, of one-liners and catchphrases. Yeah. I mean, the one-liners and catchphrases are are fun, but, but it's it's unsatisfying as a story because there's not a lot of story there there's no growth there's no change the conflict doesn't make people better it just you know creates a lot of chaos and opportunities for violence and like you know boobies and explosions which you know sell and are sometimes fun when you're drunk or high but like and you know or when you're you know 17 and you're like ha i shouldn't be watching this movie ha 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 but, you know, when you're watching it now, 20 years later. In like your mid 40s and Same. you're like, oh, yeah, this is not. I was like, why, why did I sit? At, like, I stayed up till three o'clock in the morning at Comic-Con. Like, I took a trolley home with a bunch of people who are possibly homeless or, or tired from Comic-Con wearing like a cosplay looking crazy to watch this movie it's not even good <laughs> so i don't know i just feel kind of not ashamed of myself just like wow i guess maybe we we actually want the art we consume to say something yeah and something and so it's like i think if you know to melissa's point like if ash had changed or if instead of him being the promised one there was somebody there that ended up taking up the cause and ash empowered that person to like lead an army and still did his best but it wasn't like all about him looking good maybe but yeah i don't know I just wasn't, yeah wasn't into it no i completely agree and that was something that i noticed watching this too it's like oh this is really just like a series of sketches where they go through and they're like here's a set piece where we're going to torture Ash in this way. And here's a set piece where we're going to torture Ash in this way. And it's like, okay, but there really isn't a, a plot or any other character development. And you can't, you can't really call it character development because Ash is back at the beginning, the same place he was, there was no growth. So, so that, those are my studio notes is that, 
yes, Ash does actually need to change and grow throughout the movie. Um, you need to give some sort of character and agency to Sheila. She cannot just be a damsel, uh, a girlfriend reward, uh, sexually assaulted twice. Um, you know, that she has to actually like be a, ugh, I was about to say strong female character, but uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to use those words um, because they're now so cliched in and of themselves. But, you know, she does need to be something. And I think that you could have uh, Eric the Red, um, you know, rather than, oh, they're, they're Scottish or whatever, you could have some other sort of diversity or something in this movie that I feel would be like, it didn't have to be set in 1300s England. Um, you know, it could have been set, you know, any place where you could actually just, yeah, you could have like English Knights of the Crusade or whatever, but, you know, set it in, uh, set it in the Middle East, set it in Africa, um, you know, even set it somewhere closer to the Mediterranean that's a bit more cosmopolitan, and I feel like you could have done something. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and just wipe away all of the all of the lampshading misogyny from the, from the script. It's just like, yeah, no. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't need to be there. As, as kind of quote-unquote funny as it is, it's not. So it just deep sinks that. I mean, you either take the misogyny out or you make misogyny the lesson, right? It, you could do that. I mean, that's, I agree with that point. I, I think you'd have a harder time getting rid of it. And I think what you should do is make it the lesson and go this is why you don't do that like i would have loved sheila to have killed him at the end Mm -hmm. and had evil ash take over and been like see that's what happens don't like you're an asshole and assholes should lose kind of thing just because again i don't know how you make this movie without stripping out all of that so i'm just wondering if another alternate is to to make it the lesson Right. Yeah. Something like that. Well, I think I think part of that would have to be a storyline in which Sheila is not taken by the army of the dead and damseled and again sexually assaulted in order to turn her into like the the queen of the right. deadites. Well, yeah, totally. But so yeah, finding a way where like that piece stays, but I mean, Melissa's point is totally valid. Ash doesn't lose in three movies where he's an idiot. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, it's not the example for good characters. You necessarily want to set pop culturally, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also have maybe more than one female character in the entire movie. No, please, please. And thank you. Yes. Like, I don't know. Again, JB talking about like, sister act in a league of their own and it's just like 
these movies are like miles apart from each other in terms of what they're doing and like which is the better movie what would i actually want to turn on right now a league of their own rips that movie rules so hard sister act is so much fun i it, and there you don't have to do a lot of apology for it this just just like i mean if if you're gonna if you're gonna do the single character at least do Rene russo from lethal weapon 3 and yeah. have kick everyone's ass while mel gibson just stands there right? i mean you you, you can, can. you even have that option yeah um cuz you either you cuz you either get that or you get jamie lee curtis in true lies right. who like at least has a little bit of agency even though it that is still like pretty misogynistic in the way that they're treating her um but but at least she's at least she's a whole character so uh that's that's something oh i forgot one other thing uh let danny elfman go crazy on this score (laughs) melissa agrees with me Accurate point. Uh, you know, is that a lightsaber in your pocket? Are you happy about Danny Elfman? Like he did the the Army of the Dead march, and that was obviously a lot of fun. He's making Batman. He's made Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I, you know, I think if you'd really had like the full Danny Elfman on this score, that really could have been something. And uh, that's that's just too bad. Okay, here we go. Best one-liners or quotes. My favorite is the entire speech about the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Just because I think it's it's one that doesn't. For some reason, it's it's one that's still f- funny, but doesn't denigrate or do anything to anybody else. It's just like check out this shotgun, and then he describes every piece of the shotgun. As, as though he works in at, at, still. at a retail yeah. store, yeah, selling yeah. a shotgun. Um, and you do love the primitive screwhead. Yeah, I, I, I like to say that just all the time in yeah. like team meetings. You know, yeah. all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. So, so I think that that paragraph is is probably my my favorite line. Uh, uh, that uh, would that would be my favorite, except for it's a trick. Get an axe. <laughs> get, a, get an axe is a good line. I love it. it's a trick. Get an axe. So the only one I really like is I'll swallow your soul because I kind of wish she had swallowed his soul. Oh, that's pretty like, good. See what that looks like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, mine was was not really a line. It was just the visual of the skeleton with the three or four like drum skulls walking by and just beating the the like the disney head skeleton drums i don't know why that just made me so happy it's because it's it it rules i love that part and also because that skeleton had really good rhythm and those those were some resonant ass skulls absolutely Good job. Yeah, good job, skeleton. Uh, I I also liked uh, I when I don't remember the exact dialogue, but he's like, "I'm reborn. Congratulations. Here's a shovel. Now dig." <laughs> like, whatever. It's like, 
and they're just like digging up the the other skeletons in that montage. That's uh, that's fun. They're like they're happy, and then they get to go go do more digging. Good for you, Skellingtons. Is there a best song in this movie? This movie doesn't really have. Mm-mm. It's probably just March of the Dead. It's probably the Elfman song. Uh, could we could we submit "I'm in the Pit" by Mouse Rat? <laughs> I fell in the pit. <laughs> um, also, something that has not aged well. No. Season one, Andy Dwyer of Parks and Recreation. Uh, season two on Andy Dwyer, very fun. Season one, Andy Dwyer. Okay. Um, is is the main character a good person? No. Even when he's even when he's split into his good parts. No, he's still not. Even said, "I'm not that good." That's true. Good, bad. Gave self awareness. Yeah, I, I. I mean, kind of self-aware, but not willing to do anything about it, which is like a pretty good take on on a lot of dudes. Yeah. Um, is this a good movie? It's got a seven and a half on IMDb. How? I. I think overall this is a good movie. It skates by barely, but yikes. There's there's a lot of stuff in here. It's one but of it's those like, it's one of those things, right? Where is it is it a well made movie? Like is it creative and unique? Yes. Do you like any of the characters? No. But do you like any of the characters in Goodfellas? No. Right. So, I mean, applying that logic. Yeah, it's but it's it's like I have this problem, like movies that are at like three and a half out of five stars. Like for me, that's the delineation, like four and above. Those are good movies. Three and a half. It's like some of them are good. Some of them are not. But they're like they're right on the cusp. I think there are a lot of good parts in this movie. I don't I don't think it's great. But yeah. It is the most quotable. <laughs> but that I like that, I like that your 3.5 is my 2.75. Well, there you go. Cuz that's kind of my cutoff because like Olympus and London has fallen are both hilarious watches. But are you going to give those movies higher than a C plus? No, of course not. But yeah. still good movies. So but shout out I... Gerard. Shout out Gerard Butler, who would be Bruce Campbell if they remade this movie. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm right. <laughs> we should we should do the Has Fallen series at some it's, point. Uh, it's one of my oh, favorites. It's, so it's one of my favorites. It's such a great popcorn set of films. They're so bad. Oh, they and are. So, bad. And yet, so but innocuously bad. Not like this kind of bad, <laughs> right? They're just like there's just nothing to them for an hour and a half. So, yeah. To yeah. Melissa's point, that's that may be what makes this more of a good movie than bad is that it's seventy nine minutes long. 
That's no. a good point. Major plus to that one. And Melissa, I assume your answer to this is no. This is not a good. We point. will also accept hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've made my feelings very clear about this. I, I do have one thing. I'm looking over my notes here um, that I meant to say. Why does Ash's gun never need reloading? Yeah, good call. What he the only, hell? He, he only reloads it when it's useful comedically, like when he's shooting the the lady in the like with the axe part. Yeah. Doesn't he reload it just because he's doing like the dance? The dance thing. It's yeah. like, how does he not run out of ammo? And also, how does he not run out of gas for his chainsaw? Yeah. That's my that's, problem. Yeah, that's the only time I notice him reloading is when it's so, useful. Thank you, Melissa, because yeah, that really yeah. bothered me. Yeah. Again, it's it's cartoon logic. It you know, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. When he's like, you mean you could have taken your hand out of these handcuffs at any time? No, only when it would have been funny to do so. You know, <laughs> so it's, you know, uh, Ash only needs to reload his gun when, yeah, when there's a reason for him to, to like create uh, some sort of drama or flourish. But yeah, there's, there's nothing real about this movie. Mm-mm. This is, yeah. But good call, Melissa. Uh, Also something my 14-year-old brought up as we watched this, which brings us to our next question. Should we show this to children? I did. I sat down with my 14-year-old and, uh, wow. What a ride. Big big fan? Um, He also feels like, yes, this is stupid and (laughs) understands how how misogynist it is. And then he came out of it and he's like, I thought these movies were supposed to be scary. I didn't get scared. <laughs> he's like, I didn't find a single part of that scary at all. And I'm like, yeah, uh, this one is not scary. Don't worry. That's, that's the main consensus I got with this one. And then I remember even when we watched it younger is people were like, I thought this was a horror movie. Right, because that's what most people thought, and you go, "Well, it's only horrible. It's only a horror movie from the script perspective, I guess." Yeah, not not from the filming, but yes, there is nothing scary about this at all. Yeah. Gross, yes, but not scary. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that's uh... next week. We get into the actual horror, Evil Dead. Well, 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 we can't. We can do that, or. If we go by release date, we could take a side trip and do the uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, wow. So, Melissa, your call. Do you want to do Tucker and Dale first or do you want to go into the Fede Alvarez? No, I I think I need a break. Okay. So, let's let's do Tucker and Dale. which oh man, okay that this is that's the antidote. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yes, seriously. I, I want to say my reaction to watching the Evil Dead that came out a few years ago was like I am never watching this movie again, and so it's only because I like you guys so much that I am <laughs> considering watching that movie again because it's nasty. 
Well, I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to. I mean, you've I, already seen it, hypothetically. Yeah, have, you I, I, I memory. The only thing I remember is the sink rape scene. So, uh, uh, yeah. I remember the the needle, oh. uh, which that that was maybe the grossest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, it's bad. Um, but yes, Tucker and Dale sounds delightful. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And by the way, uh, I'll save this for when we do it. I found my, I found my review of the Fede Alvarez Evil Dead uh, from when it played at South by Southwest. So um, we can we can share that. Um, I was mixed on it, but like, I remember watching it, going, "Why did you make it again?" Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, because so. I kind of went with. Like you didn't do it. Like all you did was add drug users. Like I was just really confused. Yeah. Oh, so I have high hopes for uh, the newest one that it actually like. Um, People really like really delivers. How yeah. They, yeah, the reviews are really good for it. Yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get hyped. We've we've been blessed with some some good films recently. Uh, so hopefully that that continues that streak. It's got the let's take Evil Dead into an L.A. apartment building. So what could go wrong there? So Evil Dead meets the raid. Evil Dead meets the raid meets Candyman. (laughs) Attack the block. Yeah. Ooh, attack the block. Oh my god! They're finally doing the sequel. (gasps) Is what I've heard. That's what I've heard, right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. So I don't know until until I see they've they've started production. I sort of won't believe it, but yeah, that makes me excited. Okay, um, well, uh, remember to shop smart, shop as smart, and uh, we'll we'll see y'all next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. That was my birthday. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.